see it up on the top. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Just Two Dads with my partner and co-host, Sean Francis. I am Brian Altunian. You know, when, um, when we have a family member who, who struggles, sometimes we see that that struggle is not just, you know, just part of our child's or our, our grandchild's or our, our family member's life. It, it, it's a struggle that we see common in a, in a big group of folks, right? And so we can either say, well, let me just focus on my own child, or let me take that child's experience and do something positive and have an impact because maybe it's going to make somebody else's life better. Today's guest, Jackie Nixon, did exactly that. She's a warrior mother and an author. We're very excited uh, to be talking to her today. So stay tuned for another great episode of Just Two Dad. Awesome. Welcome back, everybody. This is, I believe it's episode number 110. I am so, I you think that I know the numbers. I don't know. We're about, I think, episode 109 or 110. Uh, I am Brian Altunian. I'm here along with Sean Francis, my business partner, my colleague, my friend, my family. Um, we've been doing this podcast for over two years, and we decided we wanted to create a platform where we could shine the spotlight on amazing people who are serving and servicing the special needs community, doing something magical, special. We consider them all to be warriors as just two dads of children who had, um, who belong to that special needs community. We like to focus on those people who are doing amazing things. So before we get into today's, uh, today's guest and topic, which is gonna be awesome, ton of energy. I'm not sure I'm gonna get a word in edgeway, so I gotta fill up this intro as much as I possibly can because I think it's gonna be an awesome conversation. So first of all, I wanna thank everybody who's catching us live on Facebook. We've had a little bit of technical glitches because as you know, so stuff is happening in the world of social media and you know, we never know what's gonna, <laughs> what's gonna happen. So for those of you catching us live on, on our Facebook page, welcome, please leave a comment, um, share with your friends. If you're catching us after the fact on our YouTube channel at Just Two Dads, again, please like, subscribe, share with your friends. If there's people that you know would be impacted by the stories that we're gonna share today, um, share right the best thing we can do is communicate for everybody listening on our podcast outlets all over hello we hope that you will come back to us send us an email at we are just two dads all one word we are just two dads at gmail.com we try to answer all of them um sean and i race to see who gets to respond to emails faster sean usually wins <laughs> um and if you're hearing us down in the u.s virgin islands at wstx am radio again welcome before we get into today's topic, I just want to say one thing. It's a it's the first week of November in 2022, mm -hmm. and uh, we had guests on a couple of weeks ago who are putting on a fundraiser this Saturday, November 5th. Um, it, go to ibdstrong.org. Again, ibdstrong.org. Um, there's still, if you're in the Southern California area, there are tickets available if you want to attend. Um, there's a place where you can where you can donate. It's for folks who are dealing with inflammatory bowel disease and the long-term conditions that that represents. And so um, we're always trying to improve the research and so that, you know, try to find, there's no cure for colitis or Crohn's. It's a condition that can be managed, but it has to be managed on a lifelong basis. So we're trying to do our best to support those folks. So if you can do that, um, Go to ibdstrong.org. I want to thank you for your contribution there. Sean and I are actually going to be speaking um, briefly uh, on stage in that event, too. So that'll be kind of fun for us. And then next week, we have a, a guest. We're bringing back another a guest from the past, Billy, uh, Billy Prince. Billy Prince. Billy Price, Prince? Price. 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 I always mess that up. Billy Price. Sorry. Sorry, Billy, if you're watching. 
um, of, of Billy's shoes. His is a fascinating story. We, we interviewed him almost exactly a year ago, and uh, we're going to be doing a year, you know, kind of a recap. Things have changed in his life that are amazing. And uh, he's also going to be one of our first, uh, our first sponsors of our podcast. So um, I hope that you support Billy's footwear, and we'll be putting that stuff up for next week. So just want a little, just a little, little setup for, for what's coming. And again, thank you all for joining us and participating with us. I know Jackie's dying to be, you know, to get rolling because I think she's jumped on here early. Uh, so without further ado, I'll shut up and I'm going to throw it over to my partner, Mr. Sean Francis, who I love dearly. Um, we give each other um, uh, life lessons and uh, and uh, life community. We're we're talking several times a day and, and it's and it's soul filling for me. And uh, I love being in this in this project together with him. And so I'm going to throw it over to you, Sean. Sean, how are you doing today, my friend? I am doing great and I'm blessed and I don't want to cut into our time with our amazing guest, Jackie, but I just, I wasn't going to touch on this too, but I, I think it's worthwhile. Those of you that watch us know that we go live on Facebook and then the episodes are um, available on WSDX and radio later in the day and uploaded to both our YouTube channel and wherever you get podcasts on virtually every platform within 24 to 48 hours. Well, I made a post the other day just thinking it was just as we're talking about the, the need for love and awareness and looking out for each other. Um, I made a post the, the day that Elon Musk took over uh, Twitter and there were some posts that had um, racial and, and anti-Semitic remarks. And I reposted those images along with a video. I blurred some of the words out, but I stated that we need to know that hate is real. And as a result of that, we got to make sure that love is real also. Twitter has no restrictions on anybody saying those words. I, as a result, was presented with a very good problem in that Facebook put a restriction on my account for 29 days where I can't go live. My name is attached to the Just Two Dads page. So that page, in addition to my personal Facebook page, does not allow for any live broadcast for 29 days. Facebook is taking a look at it because I let them know I don't necessarily you know, agree with it, but you know, um, it's a good problem to have. And so uh, keeping with the idea of love being important, our guest today is someone who is the epitome of that. She is a warrior. She's a mother. She's a, uh, she's a wife. She's a special needs advocate by way of her grandson's diagnosis with um, ADHD. And I am speaking of um, none other than Mrs. Jacqueline Nixon. Jacqueline, welcome. Hi. Thank you all for having me. Happy to be here. Great to see you. It's great to see you. Great to have you here. It's always great to have a fellow Virgin Islander as a guest here as well. And so that means a whole lot. I know that, you know, your story consists of you spending years serving our, our country in the um, in the Air Force, then working in the oil and gas industry, and then at uh, a later stage in life becoming an author of children's books based on your uh, grandson's diagnosis. But everything that we do now um, is impacted by what came beforehand. You may see yourself as not being a hero, but um, we think that you are, and all heroes have superpowers, and every uh, all heroes' powers come from their origin. So let's start from the beginning. Tell us a little bit about yourself, how you were raised. I already know where you're from, uh, but those things impact what um, the things that you face later on in life. So why don't we start there? Well, I, I was actually born on the beautiful island of St. Kitts and uh, 
relocated to St. Thomas when I was an infant. So I claim St. Thomas, U.S. Virgin Islands. That's where I was educated, mighty chicken hawks. And, um, you know, I was talking to my mom before I came on here and she's so funny, um, but she is the one who's just always been the person who pushed us. She had us reading lots of books. And I remember reading books where I, there was never any characters that looked like me or anyone mm -hmm. that I knew. Um, I read every um, Nancy Drew and Hardy Boys books and loved them, mm -hmm. would read them over and over again. But uh, P.P. Longstocking, none of them looked like anyone that I knew. And being an author was like something miraculous. It was something that was untouchable. But mm -hmm. my mom had us reading books all the time. So today when I was talking to her about my book, <laughs> She's like, well, you know, you could have done this a little better. And, <laughs> <laughs> and but that's what I love about her is she has never coddled us um, or told us, you know, give us the participation trophy. It, right. She would t give it to you straight. And she loves you real. Yes. There was no gray areas when she was raising us. And I think that's what um, helped me to stand up for things and speak out. And when I see there's a need uh, to share things that's going on, I don't shy away from it at all. Right, right. So and you mentioned earlier, for those that are not from the Virgin Islands or don't know, you said go mighty chicken ox. Those that don't know, that, that's, <laughs> that's, that's Charlotte Amaya High School. Uh, Charlotte Amaya is the capital of the U.S. Virgin Islands. Uh, I attended there one year. My dad is a, is an alumni as well. Um, so uh, an alumnus, I should say. Um, but let's go back, you know, to the space between coming to St. Thomas from St. Kitts to um, eventually uh, getting getting to high school. And tell us tell us about that. So, um, you know, back when I was a little girl, you had. Um, you had where you went to Head Start, which, you know, is not readily available anymore. Um, my family was, we grew up in a very religious uh, household where we were in church. Every day was open. Um, my parents were very strict. Um, but my mom was always an educator. You know, she, she, she went to school my entire childhood. Let's put it that mm. way. Um, okay. Because coming from St. Kitts, even though she graduated um, their high school, she had to start over in the ninth grade when she came to the U.S. Virgin Islands. And so my entire childhood, I watched my mom going to school from high school. She graduated valedictorian, didn't know what it meant when she did it. Um, wow. She was nine years old when she graduated while she was pregnant with my sister that's nine years younger than I, um, which I'm the second of five. I have an older sister, me, my brother, then that nine-year-old that walked across the stage with my mom, and mm -hmm. then a younger sister. And wow. um, my parents were married until I was 14. Um, mm -hmm. You know, West Indian parents, a lot, don't really show a lot of affection. Um, they tell you what their expectations are of you, don't embarrass the family. Um, and... I, I was curious about a lot of things, but I felt like the way how I was raised, I kind of did not ask a lot of questions. You kind of stayed within the box and, and <laughs> moved along. And some of the things that I see my grandson is doing, I look back and that was me. Like I, I would sit in class and while the teacher was teaching, I always had a book reading because I love to read. 
and I would read my book while the teacher was teaching and ask questions. I didn't like to do homework mm -hmm. and I would pass my test, but I never, the only class I passed with straight A's was English because that was my favorite subject. And mm -hmm. all the other ones, I knew if I made a C, my mom was not going to beat me. <laughs> <laughs> so I would make a C in, in the other classes and straight A's in English because I was one of the weird ones that enjoyed Beowulf and all, all the, you know, I love the reading and, you know, everything about that. So I, I read a lot um, and just was hoping to even grow up to be free to do what I wanted to do because my mother kept her foot on our backs. And I was going to say, I, I was going to say a part of that, especially for those that are not familiar with, with Caribbean. Now, is St. Kitts still, is it British or is it independent? It's an independent country now. Okay. So being an independent country, what, pe what people do, and this is something I took for granted um, growing up in the, in the U.S. Virgin Islands. You forget that it's still U.S., whether it's the, the mainland or the Caribbean. You have people that come from other islands that are either um, British or independent where opportunities mm -hmm. may be limited. And you flock to the the U.S. Virgin Islands, where you know you have English spoken as well, but more opportunity yes. there. And you have an influx of people that come from other places. So your parents, uh, I'm not sure what they did in St. Kitts, but whatever they did, they were just about let's get done what's in front of us. I'm sure because yeah. those are ambitious people, and you you, you yes. take that for granted. Even so though it's the, a shorter the interesting distance. thing about that is my my parents got married when my mom was 16 years old. I think my dad was 21. And they moved to St. Thomas. My dad moved first, and then he brought us over, my mother, my older sister, and myself. Well, mm -hmm. by the time my mom was 19 years old, they had already owned their first home in St. Kitts. And my dad would send her money from his job at Lockhart Lumberyard. And when she finished building that house with the money he sent, when she came to St. Thomas, they didn't owe a penny on that house. And she did See that as a teenager. And well, that's another thing that's Caribbean is like, usually, you know, the, the American dream is to buy a house. The Caribbean dream has been a little bit more to build a house. Yes. Um, well, we don't have the big inventory that they have up here either. You know, you want a house, right. you pretty much have to build it. And right. um, my dad would work two jobs um, to take care of our family. Um, we, I grew up in Estee Thomas um, until uh, junior high. And in the eighth grade, we moved to Old Tutu. Okay, wait, where, where, where in Estee Thomas exactly? Fourth Street. <laughs> For, okay, Fourth Street, like, like uh, Sugar Estate. Yeah, Sugar Estate, Fourth Street. Okay, that's, 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 that, that's down the hill. The house that my, that my parents built was, uh, uh, was above on top on, uh, up on uh, Rappoon Hill. I'm just going oh, okay. to sit over here in the corner and let you guys, <laughs> let you guys have that. <laughs> I'm just kind of, this is, I don't, it doesn't, I don't, it doesn't, I don't, just go ahead, keep going. This is awesome. You know, it's funny, it's Brian, because awesome. when I was in the Air Force, I went, when I went to the Air Force, it was so hard trying to talk to people because a lot of people from St. Thomas, um, the Caribbean, they went into the Army. And when I went into the Air Force, I met one other person, and that's when I made it to Germany. And we, I would be trying to have these conversations, and I was you. With everybody talking about the rappers and what's happening in LA and New York. And I would just sit there and be quiet because I contributed nothing to the conversation. And then whenever I opened my mouth, they didn't care what I said. Who oh, say that again? Because well, two of my things. 
<laughs> two things. We care what Brian has to say. And two, in, in terms of contribution, why don't we go ahead and talk about that? Because you're in high school. You're at Charlotte, Maya. Did you go right from there into the Air Force? So funny story about how I ended up in the Air Force. I One day I was having a test in probably math because I hated math. And I didn't want to go to the class. And I saw some people standing outside the auditorium. I said, why are they standing outside the auditorium? Somebody said, oh, you got to go. They're taking the test to go for the military, the ASVAB test. And I was like, if I go take that test, that means I get a pass for not going to class today. They're like, yeah. I went and I got in that line and went in and took this test and um, didn't really think anything about it. And I, I decided all my friends were going to college. I went and got a college application and started filling it out. And it said, what math did you take after trigonometry? And I was like, trigonometry? So I turned to my friend. I said, have you ever heard of trigonometry? Is that such a thing? <laughs> and she said, yeah. And I was like, oh, I balled that application up and threw it in the trash and canceled any thoughts of going to college. And my mom used to always say college or the military, but you're not staying in my house. Right. And um, no, I'm the only person ever in my family to go in the military, by the way. So after I graduated from high school, I went down Main Street trying to get a job. Nobody wanted to hire me because they're like, well, you don't have any experience. I was like, did you miss that part where I told you I just graduated on Sunday? <laughs> and, and Main Street, the businesses on Main Street are primarily uh, jewelry stores. Reta retail stores, jewelry, yeah. cigarettes, you know, um, cologne and you know, stuff like that. So it's yeah. not like you couldn't do that. That's well, crazy. I thought with my winning personality, sure, they're going to hire me to sell <laughs> jewelry and, you know, whatever. But I'm glad that they said no. And so I took on my, so I, I took on my first job at Pueblo and, Supermarket. but still my mom was like, uh, college or the military, you can't stay mm -hmm. here. So I went down to the army recruiter's office. So now I had some friends from JROTC that were already in the army because they graduated about two years or the year previously. And it was like, do not become a police officer. So I was like, don't worry about that because I'm not cooking professionally for anybody. So I went to Kruta's office and he looks at me. He goes, well, your scores are so low that the only jobs I have for you is a milk or a cook. So I was like, what? I was like, well, I oh, no. We've had technology, technology for you. We've had tech technology issues all morning, everybody. <laughs> this is this is why we go live because this is real now, life right here. Now, unfortunately, she's going to be panicking when she realizes that she's no longer yeah, she on. She dropped rooms. out. She's going to yeah, yeah. She'll be freaked out a little bit. Yeah, that's right. She'll be back. It's it, it's okay. You'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody. So if you're just catching us there, she's coming back. We got her. She's coming back. She's going to be freaking out a little bit, I think. But let's see. If we yeah, that's okay. It's all good. This is real life, everybody. Trying to get her, we're trying to get her loaded up here. We're gonna be talking about her. Interesting about her day book. Tech, tech hey, really is. hey, there she is. 
was like, was that is that my Wi-Fi that's doing that? That one may have been yours. I, I think so. It might be. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he when he told me that, I was like, well, I'm not doing any of those. I, and I told him off a little bit because I had a little hot mouth, still do. And I went home. I didn't know anything about any Air Force. And it was funny because um, my ex-boyfriend went into the Air Force and they didn't even click because everybody went in the Army. So the Air Force called my house that same night that I got home, like feeling dejected and rejected from the army. And he mm -hmm. said, hi, you scored so high that you're eligible to go in the Air Force. I was like, I was just in your office today and you told me I scored too low and I'm not going to be nobody's cook or MP. And I'm <laughs> all attitude to him. And he was like, what? You were in our office today? Yes, because and he's confused because he's really come from Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. So he said, I, I was 17 at the time. He said, Is your is your parents home? I say, Yeah, but they're not gonna make me go in any army either. And I give my mom the phone. So she starts talking there. She's like, Jackie, this is the Air Force. I'm like, the Air Force. And um That's yeah, so like, wild. Yeah. And I got on the phone. And if anybody knows anything about the Army and the Air Force, you have to score a certain number to go in the Air Force. You, and, mm -hmm. and, and if you're not high enough, you can't you don't qualify for the Air Force. But again, the Army guy saved me by telling me no that day because I am not one to get up early in the morning running anywhere. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> So um, I, I went to Puerto Rico, did the whole MEPS thing, and they said I had to wait for a year to go in. So, like, I swore in everything. And actually, myself and three other people from class of 86, big up yourself, um, <laughs> they, we all, we were the first four to um, swear in on St. Thomas Virgin Islands. So, made history there. there and um, I was home for almost a year my mother was getting on my nerves mommy if you're watching you are getting on my nerves and i was getting oh, on her boy. nerves too by the time we had enough of each other i called the air force i said i don't care if you don't have a job for me i'm ready to go i'm ready to get off of this little island and i actually went into the air force without a job so while i was in basic training running every day me and my mom made mm -hmm. back up i called my mom she's like how you doing i said mommy they making me run every day. She's like, well, what time? I told her what time. She said, okay, I'm going to pray for you. I said, okay. When I'll be running, I'll be like, mommy's praying for me. Because <laughs> <laughs> look, I don't want to run unless there's a fire, a dog chasing me. Okay. <laughs> and we had to get up early in the morning and run for no good reason every day. But the good thing with the Air Force is once you're done with techs, with basic training, then you didn't have to do it anymore. Whereas the Army, you did it every day. So mm. thank you to the Army recruiters who lied and said I scored so low because I ended up going to the Air Force. That's awesome. <laughs> how many years did you spend in the Air Force? Yeah, I was just going to ask how long yeah. were you there? I was there for four years, uh, and they were some of my best years. I spent two years at Ramstein Air Force Base in Germany. And then mm -hmm. okay. I loved Germany so much that I thought, well, they don't speak English. Let me go to England for two years. So I spent my next two years at RAF uh, Mildenhall. And then I met my 
uh, first son's father there and um, got pregnant. And I couldn't imagine handing my baby over to a stranger after six weeks and going back to work. So I, I got out of the Air Force. But prior to that, I was thinking about becoming a paratrooper because I'm crazy like that. And wow. I, I went and retested and everything to qualify to be a paratrooper. And then out of nowhere came this baby. <laughs> wow. So I, I ended thank up. You for your service. Huh? Yeah. Th thank you for your service, by the way. Oh, you're welcome. I mean, it was so much fun. When people say thank you, I'm like, well, okay. It, it was uh, the best four years of my life. Um, wow. uh, traveling all over Germany. Um, and, you know, when you're overseas and you're in the military, everybody's like one big family. So mm -hmm. we hung out, we partied. Boy, did I party. I used to fall asleep at my desk on, at work. Because, <laughs> 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 you know, I got away from my strict mom and just had a wonderful time traveling all over the country. So uh, all over the world. I, went, I saw Turkey, Italy. So here's this little girl from a 32-square-mile island um, where when the military sent me to Texas, I had never rode an escalator. I didn't uh, do the moving sidewalks. And you remember our airport used to be a, a hangar. You come in right. one door, you go out the next. It was a, and, a World War II hangar that you just pretty much like went through it. I, I, I kind of missed that, but yeah. Yes, okay. So when they, when they dropped me off in uh, my connecting flight from St. Thomas, I saw my gate number, let's say it was 250. So I said, okay, 250. So I went all over the airport, eating everything, riding the sidewalks, checking out the escalators. And I went back to that gate, which we all know that very rarely happens. You get off one gate, you have to go to another gate. So I show up at the gate where they dropped me off at. And because I thought they had one door, just like we did. And the lady, and I said, I'm here ready to get on the plane. And she looked at me. She looked at my ticket. She goes, that's a 20-minute walk. And you have 10 minutes to get there. And I was like, oh, my God. And But luckily, because I was going to the military, they did something, and I was able to make the plane, even though I didn't feel very lucky when I showed up right. <laughs> in San Antonio and they started yelling at me. I was like, lady, you should have saved me and that helped me get to this gate. So, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. So tell us funny. so let, tell us then about – so your your first son is then born. Um you want to continue on the path towards the book. How did you then meet your, um, your, your, your husband and tell us about that and the other kids and leading towards your grandson's sure. diagnosis. So my first son, Joshua page, he, um, changed my life. Um, I remember when I looked at him and I started crying. Uh, that's when I realized what love was. Um, mm -hmm. My God. I mean, even like right now, I'm so mad at him. And all I feel is the love for him. And I was 23 years when I had him, 23-year-old mom. And um, <laughs> when I went home, my mother acted like I was doing everything wrong. Um, you know how they like to, no, don't do that. Don't hold him. <laughs> don't call him right. at night because the jumbi on hell. All these these rules with this little mm -hmm. baby and I'm, you know, I would wake up. My mom already had the baby done, bathed him, fed him, took him for a walk. And I, I 
felt so overwhelmed with being responsible for this little beautiful life. And mm -hmm. I um, got married to his dad 30 days later. His dad was supposed to be there for the birth, but he was in the military and Josh came a little early. And ju um, just, just, just to clarify, she said, Jumbi, Jumbies are spirits, evil spirits. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> so Josh came a little early. Cause so we tried to estimate the due date and my ex-husband had a flight, but mm -hmm. Josh came early. So when he came, um, we had planned a wedding and everything and to fly off the island because my mother did not want me. She it, it was her first grandchild. So being that I was in the military, I could have had the baby on any military installation. Um, but we didn't have one in St. Thomas. But my mom was like, this is my first grandchild. And when you're pregnant, you're not at your best. So it's best for you to stay at home. And she made right. me gain a whole lot of weight cooking and feeding me way too much food. And I was all for it because I was away from home for like four years and I'm getting all right. this Caribbean food. Like we used to plan a whole meal out from breakfast all the way to dinner and mm -hmm. then repeat the next day. So when I had Josh, um, after 30 days, I was ready to get away from my mom and all her friends. Um, I was trying to breastfeed. My mother's friends would come over and she just fling the door open to see her grandchild. I'm like, hello, uh, feeding baby here. Um, these are my boobs, not yours, mom. I mean, like, no respect. So <laughs> I was happy to leave. And I went to uh, Wichita um, Falls. No, yeah, Wichita Falls, Kansas. Am I saying that right? Which, no, Wichita, yes. Kansas. Wichita, mm -hmm. Kansas, which hated it. Um, and when he turned a year old, I said, you made it. And I cried <laughs> because I was like, I did it. He survived his first year with me and his dad. <laughs> so, and it's, so, so he, he was neurotypical and no, no health issues or anything like that, but you're just as a new mom, just unsure of yourself and, and right. trying to make but, sure that you're doing the right thing. Well, I had an emergency C-section with him because the cord was wrapped around his neck. And mm -hmm. actually when they took him out, he was, not they had to resuscitate him they said he had injuries that were equivalent to being a in a car wreck and oh, wow. um that was very devastating because I'm when sure. you're going through these parenting things they talk to you and it just all sounds so nice you're going to be pregnant you know then the baby's going to come out and voila and uh when i went to the hospital and they told me that um okay well we have to have an emergency c-section I was, it was, this was really crazy because while they're rolling me in, I said, Lord, please let me die and let my baby live. You know, if one of us had to die. And at that same moment, I'm saying that prayer. My mom said, because she's a Caribbean woman, she don't hold that. She go, well, if anybody's going to die, y'all let that baby die because my ba my daughter could have another baby. That's what my mom said. No. I was so no. mad at her. But then I had to laugh because <laughs> she was praying for her baby and I was she praying was. for her baby. Now, and, fast forwarding, I'm going to fast forward just a little. So, but but let me ask you this. So Josh is neurotypical and everything, but there's challenges when he's born. When we fast forward to you becoming a grandparent and your grandson is diagnosed with ADHD, did mm -hmm. your experience as a mother and the challenges that he had initially at birth play a role in how you responded to that diagnosis? So the funny thing is, when Josh hit third grade, my son, a teacher said he have ADHD. 
And I said, no, he doesn't. And I got mm. really mad and went and complained to the principal and everything about her mm. telling me that my child had ADHD. Because at that time you saw kids who were jumping around, acting crazy. And I'm like, yeah. he sits through an entire movie. He, you know, we go out to dinner, he sits still, he eats the dinner. What are you saying? You know, and at that time I didn't believe in ADHD, didn't understand what it was. And I definitely was not giving my child any medication. Like they chastised that teacher and told her, you have no right to diagnose people's kids. And I was right there like, yes, you tell her. Well, moving forward, I saw him constantly dealing with issues in school. So when my grandson came out and I, we started raising him, I start seeing my son all over again. Interesting. And is, it, is this Josh's son then? Yes. This is, he's, he's actually a junior, looks just mm. like his father and saw so many of the signs, which, um, where with school and how he's dealing with things. So this time when I had heard a diagnosis, I believed Listen. it because my son who's 31 years old still struggles. He gets a job. He does great. And then he starts complaining. I say, he's about to leave that job because he can't, it, nothing holds his attention for very long and he mm -hmm. is not medicated. So, um, because I missed that when I was a young mother, not understanding the far reaching effects, if you do not address ADHD when they're little. So even though he managed to successfully graduate high school, I felt like I did those 12 years all over again. Got it. Every wow. year I was like, I got promoted to the second grade all the way to 12th grade. And um, so when my grandson came around, I saw it and I immediately started trying to find him help. To How old was he when he was, when he was diagnosed, your grandson? Be, the, the, the thing with ADHD is, it's hard to diagnose um, when they're little, but from the time he was in kindergarten, um, they were complaining. The daycare was, as a matter of fact, I put him at a daycare at three and it was like a school, like a private school. So from three years old, they were complaining about him. And then when he went to um, kindergarten, they said, he's going to uh, be diagnosed with ADHD. He's too young right now, but that's going to happen. And then when he went, no, when he went to, no, actually that was pre pre-K. Then when he went to kindergarten, they started trying to suspend him. And, mm -hmm. um, but how old was he when he got a formal, when he got a formal diagnosis? Five. And, and five. Okay. it was a very difficult formal diagnosis because it's very hard to find child psych psychiatrists. And mm -hmm. so I basically took him to his PCP and the teachers had to fill out a form and based off of what they said and what I said, they said, yes, he does have ADHD. And at mm. that time, prescribe him with medication. Mm. Now, had you been thinking about all this time, where were you, if anywhere at all, with the notion of becoming a published author? No. Well, well, well let me say this. I've always wanted to be an author. My favorite author is Stephen King. So mm -hmm. I saw myself writing horror movies. I mean, horror, you know, stories. That um, genre, and, right. Yes, and tried numerous times, but I was trying to mimic Stephen King too much and could never get <laughs> it, okay? <laughs> so how do you go, how do you okay. go from, 
an aspiring author of the horror genre to then, wait a minute, let me write about the experiences or challenges that my grandson is having in school as a result of his diagnosis of ADHD. So we had a dog named Demi that was missing for nine years and they found her as she was chipped. And we got her back (laughs) after nine years and after 30 days, we had her in our house. Within 30 days, she died. And cool. I started writing about Demi. And I would write and cry and cry and cry. I still have that book to finish. But every time I would start writing, we would, I would cry. I have people read it. They're crying. And I was out walking on the trail, speaking to a childhood friend I've known since first grade. And t- she said, you take your ass home and write that book. I was telling her about Josh. Mm-hmm. You need to go and write about your experience with him. And I came off the walking trail and sat down and wrote that book in one sitting. Oh, of mm-hmm. course, before edits. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a friend, um, Rico Cornelius. He's an author from the Virgin Isles as well. I mm-hmm. shared with him my book about Demi. And he was giving me feedback about that book. And then I sent him this book, Little Stephen White School So Hard. And he said- Cornelius or Cornero? I'm sorry, Rico Cornero. Yes, sorry, Rico. I messed up your name. Yeah. I know Rico. Yeah. And he lives in Houston as well. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And and he Mm -hmm. also used to always tell me, you have a book in you. So when I sent him this book, he said, this is pretty much ready to go. You just need to get it edited, da, 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 da. And- Mm -hmm. I started moving forward with little Steven because I've even to this day, I still have trust issues with the school, with the way how we were treated, because a lot of times they treat ADHD children as if it's a discipline issue and they're going to discipline the ADHD out of your child. And if you don't participate and agree, you're a horrible parent. Right. So I had to, when I, finished writing this book it was just so important some of some of the things that i had to do was take my six foot five husband to the school with me because they were trying to bully me as a a mom and act like i was just a crazy hysterical mom and they we had a meeting and my husband is always late like i told you guys before this started if he's supposed to be there at five o'clock he starts getting dressed for five so yep. I left the house in my own car. And when I showed up to the meeting, there was one other female in the room and me, and they had all men, had nothing to do with my child. They even had mm-hmm. the principal in this meeting. And in IEP meetings for children, the principal doesn't attend. Right. They found some other guy. So they had about three men at the table and another woman, because she was the art person and myself. Mm-hmm. And they started... And then my husband showed up and he set them straight because he's very smart. And whereas I get emotional and get high pitched with a voice, he was calm. They were using words like your grandson assaulted another child, using words that you would not tie to a five-year-old child. And Mm -hmm. so my husband started throwing out words like y'all are negligent because when this child would start acting up, he showed signs that he was getting frustrated. He was showing signs that he was getting overstimulated. 
And all they had right. to do was when he starts showing those signs is address it. But no, they will let him sit there. And then when he starts falling out and everything, a child gets hit. And now, oh, we're going to suspend you. Even though he wasn't deliberately going up and smacking a child, they would, mm -hmm. at one point when they were trying to hold him down and he was kicking his legs, they suspended him because he kicked a teacher. So when my husband showed up and he started using words like, negligence oh oh no you can't use that term my husband said well words do matter doesn't it when you mm -hmm. want to use words like assault towards a five-year-old um words matter and uh, i brought that story up because i've met some single moms that have to fight this battle that we have to fight with a school for children and mm -hmm. it's hard when you're doing it by yourself and I've For met sure. some families where they show up with the auntie, the uncle, the grandparents, because it's such a hard struggle to get the schools to, um, you know, because there is, I know here in Texas, we have the star test and the teachers have a lot of pressure on them for these kids to pass this test. And they have a full classroom. And when you integrate these children into the classroom, it's hard trying to teach a class and you have this kid over here do they you know, distracted do they not make accommodations of any kind with regard to standardized testing in, in texas that you know of when a, when a child is on an iep they do make accommodations but one of the things is my child goes to a charter school um mm -hmm. and i my my two older ones before him went to the same charter school they did extremely well and mm -hmm. i felt like I already knew he was going to have problems. And I thought since I had such a great relationship with the administration there, that they would understand that it's not a parenting issue. It's not a discipline issue that this child has ADHD. And right. I overshared, you know, told them his story um, and everything, hoping to get support. And because the charter school, they pride themselves on having the the best behaved kids, the highest standardized scores and everything. Right um they saw us as a problem that they wanted to get rid of mm. so mm -hmm. they I, initially they were like if i don't support them then they'll leave because like the bigger public schools do have more experience in these things and may have more programs set up but mm -hmm. me being ignorant in the in that matter put him where his aunties aka older sisters went right um, and it's a smaller school environment but they were not even though they said that they accept special need kids they they were not very accommodating so they i weren't equipped teachers in other public schools so what am i supposed to say i had to start asking people who i knew were teachers um what do i need to say when i go to these meetings because we were clashing I, I was a mm. warrior mother, aka grandmother, f at this school fighting for him yeah. to be treated with respect and fairly. So is he still at the same school now? Go ahead, Brian. Go ahead. I just say it's why we always, you know, tell people that you know, talk to an IEP advocate and you know, have somebody there fighting for you, so you can just whisper in their ear and let them go to go to town. They know what they're doing, but it's tough, right? Most people don't realize they that that resource is available. Yes. So. Totally, totally understand that. I'm sorry, Sean, you were going to ask a question. Yeah, I was going to say, where is he now? Is he still at the same school? He is still at the same school. And we just had an incident recently. Um, huh, so 
one of the things is with the ADHD child and, you know, he has some other things going on. They like what they're used to, even if it's hell. <laughs> let me let me ask you this then. Let me ask you this. We try and avoid uh, uh, compound questions, but I, I think it applies at this point, <laughs> which is you already answered the first one, which is, okay, is he there? What progress, if any, has been made between you, him, your family, and the school as it relates to his needs? So this year I was finally able to get someone to sit in the classroom with him one-on-one -on -one to help redirect eat. him when he's doing work. Cause now he's in third grade. Third grade is a big year for yeah. all students. Right. And with the ADHD child and you're trying to teach them compound multiplication questions when they don't even really know all of their multiplication facts, he just gives up. He will ball it up and throw it in the trash. So, I had to get a person and he still don't have the person every day, but they go in there several days in the week to redirect him and encourage him to get his work done. Mm -hmm. And I, I still feel like there's a lot of work to be done because they will say things like, oh, well, if he does great today, we're going to give him a star. And the minute he doesn't do great, we're going to take, give, take away his lunch time when that's a time for them to decompress and right. you know, exert some energy, they take that away. So I told myself, would you reward a child with a broken leg for walking on that leg? No, let you don't. Would yeah, you let me punish ask them you. because they couldn't walk? No, you right. won't. But they would punish an ADHD child for let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Do you do you think that and I hope you don't mind me. I'm going to be direct. Do you think his, and you you know this better than I, not only because you're his grand grandmother, but because you know um, you have better awareness as to the options that are there in your area than I do, obviously. But do you think his, uh, his path is best served or, or can be best served remaining at the school? Or do you guys need to look no. at, uh, at an alternative? Okay. And we are okay. looking, so I found a psychiatrist, a new psychiatrist that I'm taking him to next Wednesday for his first time. And mm -hmm. they're going to work with us on helping him to wrap his mind around leaving that school. So the plan is this will be his last year in that school and we're going to find something that's more suitable. It could be the subject of another book, right? Transit transitions, you know, when you're child oh, yeah. with transitions, yeah, right? Definitely. Because that that's you want to kind of journal that because that, that would be fascinating to see. And and, and I want to talk about your books. And I know that you are now that you have, you know, this one published and, and you've always had the desire to do it, you've got plans to put out a whole bunch of, of, of books. We talk about we only we don't and believe it or not, we only have a few minutes left of this hour already. <laughs> um can we, can we talk a little bit about that? Like you're you because this this book that you've written, Little Steven, th these are in his. It, it's really his story, right? You yes. wrote it, but yeah. Talk about yeah. His talk about his con his actual contribution to yes. the book, not just through your eyes. Talk about out. that, please. So, so this is the book, and it's it's a paperback. Yes. What one of the things that he said to me when he first went to school because he he connects with a person, and then you, when they would go to PE and music you would think he would be happy but he was upset and i said why are you being so difficult he said well i only have one mom why do i have a bunch of teachers 
And then he used to miss eating his lunch because when you go in the cafeteria, they have somebody on the loud speaker and they're be quiet, stop talking. Stimulation. And then they're like, everybody have to start counting and they put their hands up. Well, he was so busy. And then he's still trying to make friends. And he was so busy trying to keep up. He would literally come home with his lunchbox untouched. Mm. Under his eyes started getting dark. Mm -hmm. He was having such a hard time. um, Because every day, if if you threatened to not let him go to school, he would jump up. He wanted to go to school. And by Mm. the end of that day, I was picking up a crying, sad child. So he was overstimulated too. Yeah. Huh? He, it sounds like he was overstimulated too in the, oh, the, yes. the lunchroom setting. So that's another sense of accommodation that's needed. So so go ahead and tell us about you know what he expressed to you, um, not just generally speaking, but I know you told me before that you know you let him know that you're writing the book based on this experience, and he began to give input and is essentially a co-author for the book. Tell us about that. Yes. Um he, you know, in the book, it's basically me sharing the things he told me. Cause yeah. I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I couldn't, like, I talk about how he, um, he wanted to be friends with a kid. And so he ran and chased them and he was just trying to play, but it was not the right time. So next thing, the teachers are holding him down. Everything in this book is what he came home and told me happened in his day. Um, the only input I had was one day I went to work and I got another phone call and I drove, it was like, my job is like 45 minutes away. So I drove there, right, to beat his butt. I'm like, I'm sick of this. I get there and I see his face. Around his lips were white. Under his eyes were dark. And he looked so sad that I burst into tears myself. And that's when I was like, this is, this is no joke and I have to do something. Mm-hmm. Because before I was, you know, hey, the doctor said this. That's when I drew the line in the sand and started asking for help outside. But in this book, it's it's his his words. It's talking about and 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 the other point I wanted to draw. I had a young man who was in college that have ADHD, and he read this book and he said, "I love your book because when I was a kid, and they told me I had ADHD, I didn't know what that meant." And he said, all of these things that he, your, your grandson experienced, it was happening to me, but he didn't know it was ADHD. He was like, I'm just a bad kid. Uh, and so he said, this book helps kids to say, that's me. And one of my classmates allowed me to read this book to their students. And you had kids saying, that's me. Um, and the other kids who weren't, they were like, oh, they were so compassionate hearing what this child was experiencing because another thing a lot of adhd kids are rejected like my grandson doesn't have a lot of friends they don't want to be friends with them because the impulsiveness that comes with adhd makes them unpredictable and you're the kid my mom told me not to be friends with so when i write to that class you heard the kids that were having um, compassion and then you heard kids that identified they're like that's me i feel Mm -hmm. that way so and because it's his words, kids are able to connect and and, you know, it's kind of like um, if a person had um, was diagnosed with something and you don't know what all comes with that. All you know is these letters. Well, right. in this book, yeah. the kids are able to see, oh, I'm I'm getting anxious because I have ADHD. 
oh, yeah. all these loud noises are distracting to me because I have ADHD. It's you a know, thin line so, between that and, and and the autism spectrum. Very familiar yeah. with them, much yeah. of that. Well, she got wow. tested wow. for autism as well. Wow. Yeah. Wow. We're, we're at that he, point, he, right? he just didn't score high enough <laughs> to be yeah. autistic, but he was also tested for that. Mm. Wow. Jackie, we could talk to you uh, forever. These are fascinating. I know we've just scratched the surface. Anybody who's been listening or watching is like, like, wait, I want to hear more about that. Uh, I want to hear more. But we, but we have a limited amount of time, unfortunately, yes. on this. So, um, as we as we get come to to closing this, I know Sean has a question he wants to ask you, which he, we ask at every show. So, uh, mm -hmm. Sean, you want to give? give I'll Jackie do that. I want to I want to encourage encourage everyone to go wherever you get books, including Amazon, not limited to that place, and look for the book Lil Stephen L I L Lil for, for little. Uh, why school is uh, why school is hard. Why school um, so and, hard. Why school is so hard? And we have the link in the um, on the screen for those that are actually watching. So at this point in the show, the question that we generally ask is, you know, look, our ability to change the world is based in some way, great or small, on our ability or our willingness to change ourselves. So with that in mind, give us one example of a thought or belief that you once held dear and believed strongly that you no longer believe to be true. I did not believe in ADHD. I remember seeing parents. I used to work at a furniture store and I... All the newbies were responsible for the ch the children's area where kids think that's their own personal play area and they would come and jump all over the beds and then I would have to go remake those beds. And a lady came in there with a child that was ADHD and he had the attention deficit and you know he had the hyperactive and right. he was acting out. And right. I wanted to volunteer to beat him for her and they still <laughs> her for him acting out like that. And of course I was in my twenties at the time and, you know, very naive to a lot of things of how I saw parenting. Um, yep. The first time I had to put a pill in my grandson's mouth, I cried, I sobbed. Matter of fact, I made mm. my son take one. I said, tell me how it makes you feel. I was so afraid to medicate him. Um, mm. So I've learned that ADHD is real. Sometimes you do need to take medication um, to allow these kids an opportunity to be successful. Mm -hmm. And um, and medication is not always the answer, but it's very important to do your research. Just understand that it's a real diagnosis and whether it's changing diet, providing um, mental assistance so that they can learn how to cope with their distractions. Um, that that was the learning because there were times when we would be on the phone and he would be talking to his psychologist. I'm like, when I get off this phone, I'm gonna beat his butt. <laughs> and learning that parenting is ever changing, and also supporting okay. parents who are dealing with this situation. Whenever I'm traveling, I see a mom and the kid is crying. I embrace her. You you. We, we really need to look at how we treat moms with children out there. And uh, you hear them out loud in the airport. Oh, my God. We were all babies and cried and disturbed somebody's peace. Be nice. That carries. That carries. That, that's exactly where we end and how we end the show. The lesson from that, which is about, you know, empathy. Brian will go yes. ahead and, uh, and touch on it. Yes. Yeah. Jack, first off, this is, this is fascinating. I hope everybody gets a chance to read um read your book i'm sure there'll be a lot of people who pick up little steven and they're gonna go oh wait a minute maybe i had adhd as a child because that's that was my issue 
Um, yeah, yeah, I'm sure I did too. I was completely distracted on a regular basis. Um, still am, as a matter of fact. But uh, to the to the point, as we wrap up the show, I know Sean's raising his hand. As we wrap up um, this episode of Just Your Dads, first of all, uh, thank you so much for being here and for everybody who uh, caught us live um, on Facebook and after the fact on YouTube. Uh, again, please subscribe, leave us comments and notes, send us an email at wearejustyourdads at at gmail.com. And, um, you know, I always say at the end of, by the way, everybody listening on the podcast and down at WSTX radio, hope you, hope you all enjoyed that conversation. There were words in there that I had no idea what the, any of them meant, but, uh, <laughs> thankfully Sean acted as dictionary and encyclopedia to explain some of that stuff. Um, but Brian, repeat, repeat after me, Jumbi. Jumbi. <laughs> there you go. Okay. See, there you are. Oh. Now you're a Virgin Islander. There, there it is. That's so easy. <laughs> Um, so I always say at the end of every show, you know, uh, empathy and love is so important, you know, again, to your, to your point, Jackie, you have, you know, you see a mom out there with a child and, and, and you, we rush judgment so much about folks, um, yes. without really understanding with their situation. And so having empathy right now, especially now, there's so much, uh, mayhem going on right now, um, that having some empathy and having some, uh, just put yourself in the shoes of somebody else. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know the situation they're dealing with. So, so be empathetic before you're judgmental, ask questions before making statements. And the last thing I would say is, you know, if you can look through the world, um, look at the world through the lenses of love, as, as you said, you can be angry with somebody, but look through the lenses of love and, and the world's just a much, a much brighter place. And with that, I'll throw it to Sean to, 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 to thank you and, and, and sign us out for, for today. Well, again, um, I'm just thankful for the opportunity and the platform that we have. Um, I want to thank Jackie again for her time. You know, we created this um, platform to be able to shine a light on people that are serving the community and to uplift folks. Uh, so I want you to make sure you go out and support her book. And if you're sitting at home with an aspiration of your own, maybe your book is literal, maybe it's figurative, whatever, you, whatever it is that you want to create, it's inside you for a reason. Go out and do it. And uh, I want to thank the women in my life without whom I would I would not be. That is my uh, my mom, Jan, and my amazing wife, Laura. And again, remember that we should be more childlike, less childish. Ask more questions, make less statements, because questions are more, uh, more powerful than statements. And everybody needs the same thing. We all want to be seen. We want to be loved. We want to be heard. We want to be, um, you know, make a difference. And we'd like people to know that we were here. So um, wherever you are, um, if you're watching, if you're listening, thank you and we love you. I love you.